welcome to another episode of Thinking Like a Bank, where we show you how to think like a bank by applying the same strategies and principles that banks use to help you find more financial freedom in your life. I'm your host, Sarah Ibrahim. Today, Mark Willis and I talk about TARDIS wealth strategies, the income snowball, and using your bank on yourself type whole life policy to maximize your cash value growth while also minimizing risk. Check out this episode to learn more about TARDIS, who they are, how they help people reach financial freedom in about 10 years, and how using their financial strategies along with Bank on Yourself can help increase and improve your path to financial freedom. Hey, Mark, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Sari, glad to be back on, man. Yeah, I'm glad I caught you right before the holidays. So uh, thanks for joining today. Um, yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, you know, as uh, many of our clients who are listening to this uh, have been referred to us by TARDIS. You know, they, a lot of clients have, have come to us from TARDIS Wealth Strategies. Um, and, and then specifically using bank on yourself along with the income snowball. So b- before I keep going, generally, is it, it, does it make sense to use your bank on yourself type whole life policy for passive investments and not just for safe, liquid growth for the future, but specifically for, for now, right? For passive investments for now. Yeah. Well, okay. So we're going to get into what is TARDIS? What is the income snowball? We'll get to that in a minute, but more broadly, the short answer is yes. Uh, so for those not aware, bank on yourself, as you know, as, as an expert um, in the field there, Sari, bank on yourself uses a, a chassis, which is dividend paying whole life insurance, which has been modernized for a, a just abundant cash accumulation right away. We're talking month one of your policy. You've got tremendous cash value you're building up and it grows on a predictable, even guaranteed basis every single year. That guaranteed bucket of money is liquid and accessible to you for any purpose. So you could s- spend the money on a you know a trip to Vegas or a car or a refrigerator, or if you're smart like Sari and many of our your listeners are, use your policy for passive income investment opportunities. So the policy itself can be deployed, or, or you can borrow against the policy to buy a real estate deal or dividend paying stocks, or, you know, pick your choice, you know, a syndication deal, an ATM. I mean, you have so many great episodes on your show. I listen every week and everyone should be subscribed if they haven't already, because you regularly bring on people who spark interest in my mind is, oh yeah, I should do that with my policy or, oh, I need to research that asset. All of it um, provides many of the shows and episodes you've had are providing us with ideas for how to get passive income from our life insurance. The worst thing you can do is not have a bank on yourself policy. Okay. The second worst thing you could do is have your policy and never use it. Just let it sit, sit soak and sour inside your, your policy's cash value vault. It should be regularly being deployed mm-hmm. for regular passive income opportunities. Now that's, that's the short answer with a long answer. I, I just uh, tried to keep it as short as possible. Does that bring up any other ideas or questions? What are your, what would you add to that? Yeah, definitely. So, so some clients might be listening to this and yeah, that sounds like a really good idea, but I, I don't have $100,000 to put on a real estate property now. I don't have that much cash value in my policy. I have some cash value that I want to deploy now, but I don't have that much. And I think it brings us to the point of you don't need a lot of money to start earning passive income. And this is where TARDIS comes in, right? So do you mind t- telling us a little bit about TARDIS, what they do, and then we can eventually connect it with Bank Guide Yourself. Sure. Yeah. Well, TARDIS is uh, owned and operated by uh, Tanisha D'Souza. She's been, you know, she and her husband and, and a whole team of people, a, a cadre of wealth coaches are working with 
you know, hundreds, thousands of people across this country to reach their financial freedom date in a very aggressive period mm -hmm. of time. Now, you know, I'm, I'm seeing it as an outside observer, but I've been privileged to work with hundreds now of the members of TARDIS community to think critically about how do we break free from the chains of a day job and reach financial freedom. And um, TARDIS has really developed, I think, a unique approach to creating passive income very, very quickly with large uh, income streams with relatively modest uh, cash investment. Mm -hmm. Typically, it takes a lot of money to generate enough income to help you quit your day job. Yep. You know, just for sake of example, the typical stock portfolio, best research says at retirement, you shouldn't take more than about 3% of your portfolio out in retirement. That means, you know, to have a million dollars in your 401k, you'd basically be needing, you'd be living on about 30 grand a year, free tax, of course, too. So, you know, that's not a very efficient way to get, you know, to financial freedom. TARDIS and what they call the income snowball mm -hmm. does something a little different. They typically involve a bucket of money or more likely a line of credit. Very often it's your home equity mm -hmm. line of credit that you might set up. We'll, we'll talk about alternatives to that soon, but for now let's just use their model. So the home equity line of credit is your liquid bucket of money that you can immediately access to go and invest in different investments that TARDIS may or may not recommend. Now, they're not going to be uh, managing those investments. They're simply a coach, okay? They're not a financial advisor necessarily. They're mm -hmm. not trying to in sell you a stock. They're just saying, hey, if you put your money into this particular financial tool, it'll generate for you a return of principal plus interest, giving you a passive income day one that you can then use to uh, either pay off debt or otherwise buy another cash flowing asset. And so one after the other, you're buying what they call a flip, where you're buying one asset that generates an income, like a rental property or dividend paying stocks. And then you flip it again and get even more passive income. You get, flip it again. I was just talking to a couple earlier today, and they're getting about $4,000 a month of passive income. And you know they don't have a giant chunk of cash in their investments. You know It's under 100 grand. Mm -hmm. is in those investments. So that's a pretty significant fast burning fast burning fuel as they call it. And that gets most people to financial freedom very quickly. Uh, but there's not it's not without some risks and and challenges. Why don't I stop there for a minute? What what did I forget or what would you want to ask? Yeah, definitely. And I and I'll leave off right where for the fast burning fuel. That's one way. This is the short term, usually 36 month investment you're putting in, for example. I think that the, the target is around 30 to 40% cash on cash a year. So a $10,000 investment could range, could earn you 3,600 to 4,000 approximately a year uh, in, in income. And that's the return of principal along with the, the interest together, um, typically over a 36 month period. And then you would reinvest it. And then also there's the short, the slow burning fuel, right? This is where you take the profits from your fast burning fuel and then you invest in properties. Now you buy a property either as an active investor or you could do like a hybrid active passive role where you work with a third party affiliate or a third party vendor that goes out, buys you the property and manages it for you. You And then they're the realtor, they're the lender, they're, they kind of take care of all the moving pieces in real estate. And then you would earn usually a smaller rate of return, but you own real estate now. 
that you could leverage in, in the future. And this, this works really well for our California and Hawaii clients, because who wants to own real estate in Hawaii and California? They could simply yeah. work with third-party vendors to own property in Kansas or Oklahoma, where you could poss possibly get a, a higher cash-on-cash -cash return. That's right. Yeah. The, the way I kind of, in my own mind, this is probably not kosher to say, but I, I think about it like the fast-burning fuel, as you described it, it's not like you're getting 40% rates of return yeah, yeah. or even it's, I call it fake passive income because it's temporary. You're getting it for 36 months, two years, maybe even less 18 months. Yes. And it's just there to help you generate enough heat mm -hmm. uh, and light to get you to that um, longer term, slow burning uh, fuel that is truly passive income. Mm -hmm. So this, this brings us to maybe some of the challenges uh, and, you know, so the typical source of money that probably 85% of members of TARDIS that I've met are yeah. looking at typically uh, personal lines of credit, home equity lines of credit, business lines of credit. Mostly it's that home equity though. They're they're grabbing money from their house equity and they're putting it to work in fast burning fuel. Now that works great in the good times of maybe a year or three ago uh, when interest rates were like in the basement of sub sub subfloor, right? Like they were below the regular market rates of interest rates. When you could get a HELOC for two or 3%, mm -hmm. well, that was a great swap. Now HELOCs are becoming very difficult to get mm -hmm. and their interest rates, I just saw an 11% HELOC uh, earlier today and we've seen them even higher. Mm -hmm. Folks are also using other forms of uh, lines of credit, which are even higher interest rates. I hate to say it, but they're approaching credit card territory, Sari. Mm -hmm. So not to mention banks are under their own forms of stress uh, as they are still carrying many low interest mortgages. I've got my you know nice low mortgage on my house and many other people do too. That's burdening many banks. Mm -hmm. So when you've got a bank that's in trouble, they start cutting HELOCs yeah. and limiting your line of credit access and terming out your HELOC and all sorts of other you know, uh, unsavory outcomes. So a lot of people are are fed up with their HELOC. They're also concerned about going underwater if the market turns. Mm -hmm. So they've been looking for alternative lines of credit. And that's really where uh, Tanisha and the team there at TARDIS reached out to you and me and said, well, hey, we need an alternative line of credit. And maybe I'll pass the ball over to you, Sari. You're such a great question asker, but why don't you tell us from your perspective, how can bank on yourself be an alternative to your typical line of credit you might get at the bank? Yeah, definitely. Like you mentioned, most of the TARDIS clients are using personal lines of credit and home equity lines of credit. And, and you mentioned the downsides to the home equity line of credit. To add a little bit more, the, the downsides to a personal line of credit that I'm seeing personally right now work with clients, uh, they typically cap those at like ten dollars or $15,000, even if you have a great relationship with your bank or credit union. That's, that's typically their limits right now, especially in a high interest rate environment right now. So how do we break past that ten dollars $15,000 barrier uh, if, we, if, we can't, if we can't do that through a personal line of credit? So definitely through whole life insurance, right? Bank the bank on yourself way high early cash value. Number one, there technically, theoretically, is no limit to how much you could borrow against a life insurance policy. As long as you have cash value in the policy, there is no limit. There is no federal guideline on how much you could borrow. There is no underwriting guideline on how much you could borrow. It's typically whatever your cash value is. So that right there probably brings a lot of financial freedom, just listening to that to, to clients. Is that there are there technically is no limit to how much you could borrow. So now what does that mean? For for those of you who are unfamiliar with what we're saying, we're using 
dividend paying whole life insurance, the cash value part in the policy, and then leveraging that to use for a fast burning fuel as well as a slow burning fuel, and then using the returns from those investments to add back into the policy to either pay back the loan, buy up more insurance through the paid up additions rider, pay up future premiums, or even start another policy. Or it could be a combination of all those. And then even, uh, I'm seeing this too with working with clients, you can even merge from your home equity line of credit to life insurance. Now, how does that work? You take, for example, from your home equity line of credit, like a lump sum, let's just say even number $30,000. You put that into a single premium whole life policy. You could probably borrow out like 20, 25,000 plus or minus from the policy within 30 days. You then deploy that into, a, like a, let's just say a fast burning fuel investment. That's going to generate you probably maybe $600, $700 a month. And then you also have your cash flow from, let's just say your day job or your business that you add on top of that to pay down the line of credit. Instead of that money going back to the bank, what you could do is you could do like a 50-50 blend where half that money goes back to the line of credit to pay that down. And the other half goes towards your policy. Now what you're doing is you're using the bank's money, the HELOC, as well as the TARDIS investments to buy up new life insurance now. Mm-hmm. Man, that's great. Love it. Yeah, you've you've weaned yourself off of other people's lines of credit. You've gone yeah. from the HELOC to the MELOC. You know, the the <laughs> me, you bank on yourself, right? Uh, not some yeah. banker. Yeah. Uh, and when you have your own policy, you control the money. It's a yeah. private contract between you and the insurance company. There's no loan approval process, like you said, Sari. There's no loan underwriting. You don't get have to get your uh, credit checked. You don't have to kiss some banker's ring. You know, like you said, there's there's also, you know, a lot a lot of freedom in terms of being forced to take money out. Like a qualified plan, you're yeah. forced into required minimum distributions, but there's none of that red tape. There's no custodians. It's your money. It's yeah. your money. You should trademark that, MELOC. The MELOC? <laughs> Somebody, <laughs> somebody's waiting on it. So yeah, now you and me both, man. <laughs> now, uh, I actually, I worked with a client, uh, two clients this morning, and they're considering either using everything we're talking about, right? Whole life insurance, dividend paying whole life insurance, the bank on, on yourself way for the Taurus investments or you know, uh, an index universal life policy, an IUL policy. And, and I've heard this too from other, other work with other clients in general, not just with TARDIS, but in general, that's typically sometimes uh, clients might weigh the options, the pros and cons between using whole life insurance uh, and index universal life, I or short for IUL. And you and I did an episode of, about this. I forgot which one it was, but if you look back in our in our playlist, we did an episode about IUL and the differences between that. But since we're here, since we're on, since we're on this topic, uh, what if we use an IUL policy, index universal life policy with, with, with TARDIS and the fast burning, slow burning fuel, instead of using um, whole life insurance, what are some things that we could face or some, some downsides? Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, I, I want to say, first of all, we're in the, the right universe when we're looking at cash value life insurance, because you can borrow against any cash value policy that includes variable life insurance, mm-hmm. uh, universal, which includes index universal life insurance. And of course, whole life insurance, which is the granddaddy of them all. That's the original, the OG, you might yeah. say. Yeah. So, so index universal life insurance typically is a uh, encouraged or pushed by some insurance agents because generally speaking, the numbers look better on an illustration spreadsheet. Uh, The numbers meaning your cash value will accumulate visibly faster than say a whole life policy might. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, who would want more money, right? That's not a bad thing to want that. So, but you have to dig deeper. You have to, first of all, realize 
both Index Universal Life Insurance and Whole Life Insurance is coming from the same general account of the insurance company. So that should be a clue for Scooby-Doo out there who's doing his uh, mystery research. Something doesn't add up that one policy product grows you know, any distinguishably faster than, say, another one. If they're both coming from the same pot of money, what else is going on there, mm-hmm. right? The next thing is it's important to remember that you're not any less likely to die if you own a whole life policy than if you own an IUL. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the mortality expenses are dramatically different. So the investment returns of the general fund are the same. Your mortality expense is the same because it's not like only whole life people, mm-hmm. uh, the only people who buy whole life are sick and about to die. No, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. We're, it's the general population buying IUL and whole life. So there's no cost differential. The key is in the structure. Mm-hmm. The key is in the structure. So with whole life insurance, it's a flat level cost of insurance. With IUL, it's an increasing, annual increasing cost of insurance. And it looks great on paper. It really does uh, until you start to look at some of the withdrawals in retirement mm-hmm. or you know loans against the policy, which are not non-direct recognition. Mm-hmm. When you have those accesses uh, of the policy's cash, it can eviscerate the compounding and can really dramatically shorten the likelihood of IUL success. In fact, there was a study done about six years ago. All of the IULs uh, that were included in the study, uh, only 12% of them had made it through, of those who had died and had IUL, only 12% of those who had IUL still had them when they died. Wow. So that means 88% had lapsed their policy at some point during their lifetime in the group that was studied. Uh, That's a big deal. Something is wrong with that product when nine out of 10 of us break it. You know, if nine out of 10 microwaves broke, that would be a recall situation. If nine out of 10 of your Lexus car or whatever was, you know, breaking down, that would be a recall. But we still sell lots of IULs across this country. So that's the fundamental flaw I see in the IUL contract. Now, more particularly, Let's say, for example, Sarah, you and I want to go into business together and you have a choice. Okay. You have two, you have my business or you got this other guy who wants to be a business partner with you. And let's say with me, um, I'm going to give you a better equity share. Okay. So my, my numbers look a little better equity wise. And so you like that. But as soon as you sign that contract where I give you a little more equity than the other guy does, Mm Once you sign, though, I get to decide all the the decisions of the business. I get to change the rules. I get to decide when you get your equity. I get to change how much equity you might get in the future. I can raise my my expenses, and I get to pay myself a higher salary. You have no right to decide any of those things once you've signed with me. Mm-hmm. The other guy, we'll call him Mr. Whole Life. <laughs> <laughs> Once you sign with him, he's under your thumb Mm -hmm. and he must oblige himself to you to give you a guaranteed growth on your equity every single year. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing he can do to stop that. And you remain in control. The only thing you have to do is contribute your funds to become a partner, let's say, in that business. Mm -hmm. Which of those two contracts seem like a better deal for you over the long term? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the definitely the whole life even sounds more long term. It sounds more reasonable. It sounds more predictable, more certain. The the first one, you know, the first equity deal is subjective. It, it depends. It depends on what happens. It depends on a lot of other factors. 
And ultimately, it could result not in your favor. It could be more favorable to the other person, which sounds like exactly happens. What exactly happens with IUL policies? They start off really nice on paper. They look really good. And then eventually, they end up being a better deal for the agent who sold them and the insurance company. It becomes yeah. entirely uh, profitable at that point. If 88% barely even make it to a death benefit, then what happened to all those premium dollars that were that were paid? Yeah. And there's plenty of lawsuits that are outstanding and, and closed and settled too that yeah. these major insurance companies are having to deal with now. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that it's wrong or evil to have IUL or to yeah. hear your agent talk about it. I just wouldn't use this contract for banking purposes. That's not yeah. what it's built for. I don't grab my putter when I'm in the sand. You know, I, I grab my sand wedge. Yeah. Uh, so use the right tool for the right purpose and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're using a loan feature on whole life insurance to do your fast burning fuel mm -hmm. or your slow burning, you know, any kind of investment you want to make into a passive income play like a laundromat or an ATM machine or a real estate deal, use a non-direct recognition policy loan. Mm -hmm. I just did uh, a, a run. I ran the numbers on a, now this was a whole life policy, mm -hmm. but it was direct recognition. Yeah. Okay. So that's the other thing that we didn't really get to talk about here, Sari, but there are some whole life policies out there that are direct recognition. I ran the numbers on this one and the guy had a loan out for just three or four years. Yeah. And he had, at that point, after just three or four years of, of the loan outstanding, and then he paid himself back, the, the certainly the interest he paid was over a hundred grand. It was a large loan. Wow. But he also paid, he lost the growth compounding on a, over 800,000, which was the volume of his loan that he was taking out. Um, so first of all, that's awesome that you could access 800 grand liquid, you know, yeah. for any reason. That's pretty cool. But because of that, he had, you know, a, a giant chunk of cash missing out of his compound growth of his policy. We ran the exact same loan feature, loan uh, platform on a non-direct recognition policy. And the policy's cash value with non-direct recognition whole life insurance was exactly the same that it would have been had he never borrowed the money out, had he never taken the loan. So, you know, do we want a diminished cash value? I think it was like 22 grand less in cash after just three years. Imagine how much greater a problem that would be as he went through 20, 30 years of retiring mm -hmm. and spending that money. Or do you want the full cash value to spend over and over and over again in your policy as you make those regular, you know, flips for your income snowball? To me, the choice is clear. Yeah, 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 definitely. And and to kind of like refresh on the, the difference between direct recognition and non-direct recognition is your policy keeps growing. In non-direct recognition, your policy keeps growing whether you have an outstanding loan against it or not. It doesn't really make a difference. It doesn't interrupt the growth of it. Whereas direct recognition, this is where most life insurance companies slash policies fall under is direct recognition, where you take out a loan, your future growth is impacted by that outstanding loan. So it's, in a way, it's kind of like a penalty for taking out that loan. Uh, insurance companies typically do that to defer you from taking out that loan because they're, they're, they operate differently. They would rather invest that money in other places, uh, not in customer policy loans. So that's the some of the differences. And is it safe to say that all IUL policies are direct recognition? I wouldn't use those words with IUL yeah. because it's even worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with IUL, they they offer their best offer is something called a, a wash loan. Uh -huh. Sometimes they can do a net negative one percent. Uh, what that means is you might, you know, if you borrowed from a IUL, your money would be put in sort of a side fund. You might say that would earn a specific fixed interest rate. Mm -hmm. 
uh, alongside the loan that you're borrowing from that would be charged the same loan interest rate. So let's say you're earning 5% and you're being charged 5%. Well, that's a wash yeah. and that's what they call that. Um, that's That's the best case scenario. But here's the problem. That's not taken into the whole story. And I was just doing some thinking about this yesterday as I was looking at some numbers for somebody. When you borrow against the cash value, the cash value goes, the net cash value goes down mm -hmm. and there's an increased net amount at risk. Now, net amount at risk, NAR, mm -hmm. is the kind of the nomenclature for the insurance company to say, hey, what's on our books here? What What's our liability to, to Sari's family if he decides to graduate today? Uh, and that net amount at risk gets bigger when you borrow against your policy. And so with IUL, remember I said that it gets more expensive each year depending yeah. on the net amount at risk. So when you borrow against an IUL, yeah, you might have a wash loan, but you also have a larger expense on that policy now that you have a larger NAR. And every year you get older, it's mm -hmm. getting more and more and more expensive. So you might have a wash loan, but actually lose money because your policy is getting more expensive due to having that loan. Uh, why mess with all that mess if you could do a whole life policy that doesn't get more mm -hmm. expensive? In fact, the net expenses net expenses go down as you mm -hmm. maintain your policy. And let's use a non-direct recognition policy loan, which allows you to get full compounding as if you had never taken the loan in the first place. Uh, I mean, again, as a as we are both certified financial planners, we both believe, I believe, I would say, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that we want to help our clients reach their goals without taking any undue or unnecessary risk. Mm -hmm. And if I can help you reach your goal without taking a bunch of unnecessary risk, risk is great. I love risk, but yeah, yeah. let's not go for the unnecessary kind. You know, that was my, that was my experience in college was the unnecessary risks. Okay. <laughs> Jumping off the trampoline and landing in the lake and all that, that that's college <laughs> unnecessary risk. We don't need to do that sort of thing with our money. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, watch out for, language that sounds good mm -hmm. uh, with IUL. I've, I've seen so many unmet expectations and undue promises that I've just felt myself backing away from that tool uh, mm -hmm. for the purpose of the income snowball or really most any other purpose when it comes to accessing the money for, for banking purposes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like to consider IULs as, you know, higher risk and not necessarily low, higher returns. It could be the same return, just more risk. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. Remember, it's the same general account from the yeah, insurance yeah. company. So it's not like they can just suddenly find a bunch more returns for anybody who happens to have been smart enough to pick the IUL. No, it's yeah. the same return, Yeah. but just as you said, more risk. Well said. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, well thanks, Mark, for joining us on short notice today. I, I appreciate it. Um, any final uh, words of wisdom for the audience? No, I, I think you've given us a great taste of how this tool might work. Uh, the income snowball coupled with a bank on yourself designed whole life policy coupled again with uh, a gentleman like Sari Ibrahim can put, I think, just a smile on your face and smiles in your pocketbook too. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you. To learn more about what we do and how we can help you grow more wealth, please visit www.finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.